Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 17th, 2015. Back in the 1990s, I said, reality ain't what it used to be. As time goes by, it'll be almost impossible to find because I knew the techniques that were being used already on the public and had been used for a long time and how they'd been more and more perfected and how they were actually training society to believe whatever they were told from the top or by the, the mainstream media. Uh, with his techniques of incessant uh, repetition. And you could see, of course, back then too, that uh, it was quite easy, in fact, to scan through television stations if you had cable at the time. And you'd find the same news getting repeated verbatim on every topic, all the same across the board. Didn't matter what station you looked into. Our channel. So news was always manipulated big, big time, more so today than ever, ever before. But also with the internet too, they'd already drafted up all their plans of how to control the minds of the people and even further agenda by using the internet and techniques of drawing folk in, different age groups naturally, because everyone's catered to and, and have special departments for different age groups who understand the human uh, dynamics and milestones we all go through, the genders as well. And I would draw them in to certain sites, it would fascinate them. The whole New Age movement, of course, was run from the top initially of the some departments of even the CIA and MI5 in, in Britain, where they, they could fascinate people and sway them off into tangents of unrealistic thinking, but telling them this is the real thinking. Now you're into the new age, you're using psychic phenomena, etc., etc. And once you draw them in, then you can bring in what they call the positive thinking uh, uh, movement into it as well, by creating a form of optimism. And this optimism would make them swallow anything down the roads, and it works awfully, awfully well. It makes people very, very gullible indeed. Right down to ignore the negative, uh, dis- disregard it, just turn your back on the negative, don't think of it at all, because you thinking about it is going to make it happen. What a fantastic tactic to make people not look anything. It was nasty that was going uh, on at the time or coming down the pike that would affect them all. It's a form of negating reality, completely negating reality, and warping the mind into a form of manipulation by other people at the top, because they always give you gurus to follow, naturally. This is coupled by interviews of the gurus on television and great write-ups by the media to, again, create the star image for them. So they'll have lots of followers and various top institutes were involved in this as well. Because now so much money and training goes to training the people who study us, like we're lab animals, very minutely too, and it works awfully, awfully well, awfully well. What they don't know about you or society or even your cluster of friends and why you even have those friends as a cluster, what you all have in common, all these things are so detailed in a sort of almost a microscopic fashion that it's astonishing. But again, they have all the money in the world since they get it all from your taxes to study you and or to manipulate you. And so it becomes harder and harder to know what is true, what's worth following up, 
and checking out, etc., etc. So you have to be very, very careful where information comes from, and even where it comes from when you think it's good sources, completely check it out. Uh, because often, too, people who think they're following things to expose things will be duped, unwittingly duped, into going along with the take on it, like anthropogenic global warming as man-made. It's your fault and all that kind of stuff. Technically, it is man-made because they're spraying the skies and causing it, but that's a different story altogether. Everything's done for an agenda's purpose, to give control, again, to pre-selected world bodies as part of a long-term agenda, literally working over centuries. And we're going through a big part of it this century because this is the 21st century. And the boys in their own, own writings down through the last century said that the 21st century would be the century of change, where they would try and get this whole global order and collectivist-type society with, with all the resources owned and managed by top private corporations that would really be the new form of governance, as I like to call it, across the whole world. And we're going through all the transformations today with all of what appears to the average person at the bottom, madness and chaos and so on. But it's, it's not really that. It's very well managed and don't believe it's all chaotic at all. Uh, that's the whole idea of order out of chaos. You create the appearance of chaos till so people panic uh, from different areas of fear, fear of not having enough food, fear of not getting enough water, fear, 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 because everything's monopolized today, including the water, by the way. And it's to get you more monopolized till there's no private ownership of water at all. At the bottom level, just big corporations at the top. Same with your natural gas, food supplies, money and everything else. So that's the managed, perfected world that's going to bring in this order, you see, where there'll be peace because you can't, you can't, break the peace, since it would be impossible to break the peace, since they'll know everything you're even thinking about eventually. Uh, they're almost there now, of course, with the fact that most folk chat all the time, text all the time, uh, and everything goes through the airwaves in one form or another, and is collected and analyzed and added to your personality profile on a daily basis. So that's how perfected it is. So uh, no one escapes this. It doesn't matter even the ones who have already acquiesced and says, I'm good, no one's going to bother me. No matter what they do, I'm going to go along with it. And I won't cause any ripples. It's going to affect them all regardless whether they want, to, they want to complain or not. And those who are trying to follow what's happening, of course, have to be attacked in other, other ways, many other ways. The, the easiest way to do it is just simply knock the, knock the economic base from under your feet and that you're gone. There's many ways to get you out of the, the running of giving out any kind of ideas or information or takes on anything. And as I've said before, this was already decided how to do all this, all planned out in warfare-type strategy in detail before they gave you the internet. There's one thing about the boys at the top. They, when they make a move on the chessboard, they talk about the move long before they do it. They, they look about all the consequences that could be repercussions of it, backlashes from it, what would the people do and so on, what would different segments of society do, uh, etc. And they plan for it all before they make the first move. And every subsequent move is goes through the same process of strategy. It's incredibly detailed because they don't want to lose control. It's quite natural. They don't want to lose control. And they make sure they won't ever lose control. That's what power does, you see. 
power at the top in this system that we live in for a long time has been ruled by those who manage the money at the top. This con of money. And it's corrupt. And it's a total con, of course, with its, its constant borrowing by nations from private lenders uh, and then having to pay compound interest in your firstborn of every generation forever and ever and ever. That kind of con game is going to go on forever and ever. And uh, it's never going to be changed because the boys at the top will never give away that power to anyone else. And most of all, you. Back in the 90s, you also saw the occasional miscellaneous article, such as information warfare is the big thing of the future. And like most little articles that are miscellaneous, they never give detailed ideas of what it's all about, even in story itself, except that different disaffected groups would be using information technology in the future uh, to try and subvert or alter the course of the plans of big governments and even globalism. Uh, it was, so it was discussed in, in a certain way, almost, almost a legality, you might say, without giving the details of the whys or wherefores, as would all happen. And of course, they knew they were going to give you this advanced internet system, and they already had the systems up back then to monitor to you from the very beginning. It was all done, folks. It's not new at all. As I say, why would you allow power to run away from you? It doesn't happen if you're in charge of the power structure. Now, going back to 24th of February 2014, you can find the article. Uh, it was by Glenn Greenwald, who you've all heard in connection with uh, Snowden and so on. But uh, it's interesting, and it's just, again, a reiteration of what most of you probably already know. But it goes into some little bits of the, sur- the surface of details, put it that way, how things happen in the surveillance technologies and so on. But it says here how covert agents infiltrate the internet to manipulate, deceive, and destroy reputations. And this is one of the many uh, pressing stories that remains to be told from the Snowden archive is how Western intelligence agencies are attempting. That's past ten. I mean, because it's all been done from the beginning, as I say. Counterintelligence and intelligence agencies is meant to destroy anything that comes out of value or or warp it off into aliens or something to discredit whatever is being said about some specific thing. So the agencies are attempting to manipulate and control online discourse with extreme tactics of deception and reputation destruction. It's time to tell a chunk of the story, complete with irrelevant documents. Over the last several weeks, I worked with the NBC News, this is Glenn, this is Glenn Greenwald, to publish a series of articles about dirty trick tactics used by the GCHQs, that's the British Headquarters for Intelligence Zone, previously Secret Unit JITRIG, which is a joint threat research intelligence group. These were based on four classified GCHQ documents presented to the NSA and uh, the other three partners in the English-speaking Five Eyes Alliance, where they share all data together, the five nations. We at the Intercept are publishing another new JITRIG document in full entitled The Art of Deception Training for Online Covert Operations. By publishing these stories one by one, our NBC reporting highlighted some of the key discrete revelations, the monitoring of YouTube uh, and Blogger, the targeting of anonymous 
with the very same DDO's tactics they used, hacktivists of using those dirty tricks and so on, uh, operations. The use of honey traps, luring people into compromising situations using sex, very, very old technique, and destructive viruses. But here I want to focus and elaborate on the overarching point revealed by all of these documents, namely that these agencies are attempting to control, infiltrate, manipulate, and warp online discourse, and in doing so are compromising the integrity of the Internet itself. Among the core self-identified purposes of the JITRIG are two tactics. One is to inject all sorts of false material onto the Internet in order to destroy the reputation of its targets. And two, to use social sciences and other techniques to manipulate online discourse and activism to generate outcomes. It considers desirable. To see how extremist these programs are, just consider the tactics they boast of using to achieve those ends, such as false flag operations, posting material to the internet and falsely attributing it to someone else. Fake victim blog posts pretending to be a victim of the individual whose reputation they want to destroy and posting negative information on various forums. Here is one illustrative list of tactics from the latest GCHQ document we're publishing today. And it says, critically, the targets for this deceit and reputation destruction extend far beyond the customary roster of normal spycraft, hostile nations and their leaders, military agencies and intelligence services. In fact, the discussion of many of these techniques occurs in the context of using them in lieu of traditional law enforcement against people suspected but not charged or convicted of ordinary crimes or, more broadly still, hacktivism, meaning those who use online protest activity for political ends. The title page of one of these documents reflects the agency's own awareness that it is pushing the boundaries by using cyber-offensive techniques against people who have nothing to do with terrorism or national security threats, and indeed centrally involves law enforcement agents who investigate ordinary crimes. No matter your views on anonymous, hacktivists, or garden-variety criminals, It's not difficult to see how dangerous it is to have secret government agencies being able to target any individuals they want, who have never been charged with, let alone convicted of, any crimes with these sorts of online deception-based tactics of reputation destruction and disruption. There's a strong argument to make, as J. Lederman demonstrated in The Guardian, in the context of his PayPal 14 hacktivist persecution, that's an article I put a link up to, that the denial of service tactics used by hacktivists result in, at most, trivial damage, far less than the cyber warfare tactics favored by the US and the UK, and are far more akin to the type of political protest protected by the First Amendment. The broader point is that far beyond hacktivists, these surveillance agencies have vested themselves with the power to deliberately ruin people's reputations and disrupt their online political activity, even though they've been charged with no crime, and even though their actions have no conceivable connection to terrorism or even national security threats. As anonymous expert Gabriella Coleman of McGill University told me, targeting anonymous and hacktivists amounts to targeting citizens for expressing their political beliefs, resulting in the stifling of legitimate dissent. Pointing to this study, she published 
uh, Professor Coleman vehemently contested the assertion that there's anything terrorist or violent in their actions. Government plans to monitor and influence internet communications and covertly infiltrate online communities in order to sow dissension and disseminate false information have long been the source of speculation. I suppose there was more came out even prior to this a lot. I've read it over on the air over the years uh, to do with uh, their sock puppets and all the rest of it too. You don't even know if you're, you're communicating with a real person at times. And they're run by computers, some of them. Uh, some of them even have little programs designed for you if they're after you. Uh, to lead up the garden path, etc. This article goes on to say, Harvard Law Professor Cass Sunstein, close friend of Obama, advisor under the White House's former head of the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, wrote a controversial paper in 2008 proposing that the U.S. government employed teams of covert agents and pseudo-independent advocates to cognitively infiltrate online groups and websites, as well as other activist groups. Sunstein also proposed sending covert agents into chat rooms, online social networks, or even real space groups which spread what he views as as false and damaging conspiracy theories about the government. Ironically, the very same Sunstein was recently named by Obama to serve as a member of the NSA review panel created by the White House, one that, while disputing key NSA claims, proceeded to propose many cosmetic reforms to the agency's powers, most of which were ignored by the president who appointed them. But these GCHQ documents are the first to prove that a major Western government is using some of the most controversial techniques to disseminate deception online and harm the reputation of targets. Under the tactics they use, the state is deliberately spreading lies on the internet about whichever individuals it targets, including the use of what GCHQ calls itself calls false flag operations, and emails to people of, uh, people's families and friends. Who would possibly trust a government to exercise these powers at all, let alone do so in secret with virtually no oversight and outside of any cognizable legal framework? Then there is the use of psychology and other social sciences to not only understand but shape and control how online activism and discourse unfolds. Today, newly published documents touch the work of GCHQ's Human Science Operations Cell, devoted to online human intelligence and strategic influence and disruption. Under the title Online Covert Action, the document details a variety of means to engage in influence and info-ops, as well as disruption and computer net attack, while dissecting how human beings can be manipulated using leaders, trust, obedience, and compliance. I should just mention here too and interject the fact that they also get people who are in university, students, occasional students, as assets basically to do this too and give them a little stipend and a little pat on the head and perhaps a a tentative promise to get them into higher institutions of spying basically for government. So they've got many different uh, techniques and ways to recruit people. And they also have uh, whole panels of professionals to set up in certain offices and so on. Uh, that's why uh, I ignore anything to do with complaints about me or that so-and-so saying this. I just, I never even answer them, to be honest. I don't, don't even look at them. It doesn't bother me at all. You expect it. And, and, so, and again, too, and, and our technique is used is to boost someone up they want you to listen to or follow by saying that they're getting, they're getting um, 
attacked all the time. Uh, that's, that's a good way to get folk to think, well, they must be genuine in that case too. So it, it's such a mess of, of spookdom. I call the whole world of spying spookdom uh, that you, you've got to think for yourself at all times. All times. And it says here, the documents lay out theories of how humans interact with one another, particularly online, and then attempt to identify ways to influence the outcome or game it, as they call it. And that's what they call it, gaming it, when they're, on, they're, they're doing something to you. We submitted numerous questions at GCHQ, including one, does GCHQ in fact engage in false flag operations where material is posted to the internet and falsely attributed to someone else? I've had that happen where they even put up fake sites that look like mine. Uh, this was this, this happened, yeah. Anyway, it says, two, does GCHQ engage in efforts to influence or manipulate political discourse online? And three, does GCHQ's mandate include targeting common criminals such as boiler room operators or only foreign threats? As usual, they ignored these questions. <laughs> There's your, <laughs> your open society. And opted instead to send their vegan, non-responsive boilerplate saying, it's a long-standing policy that we do not comment on intelligence matters. Furthermore, all of GCHQ's work is carried out in accordance with a strict legal, so they always come out with a strict legal thing, and policy framework, which ensures that our activities are authorized, necessary, and proportionate. And there, there is rigorous oversight, including from the Secretary of State, the Interception and Intelligence Services Commissioners, and the Parliamentary Intelligence and Security Committee, all our operational processes rigorously support this position. <laughs> I mean, you can do anything legally if you pass a law and make it legal, right? Only for themselves, naturally. It says, these agencies' refusal to comment on intelligence matters, meaning talk at all about anything and everything they do. It's precisely why whistleblowing is so urgent. Uh, the journalism that supports it so clearly in the public interest and the increasingly unhinged attacks by these agencies, so easy to understand. Claims that government agencies are infiltrating online communities and engaging in false flag operations to discredit targets are often dismissed as conspiracy theories, but these documents leave no doubt they are doing precisely that. Whatever else is true, no government should be able to engage in these tactics. What justification is there for having government agencies target people who have been charged with no crime for reputation destruction? infiltrate online political communities, and develop techniques for manipulating online discourse. But to allow those actions with no public knowledge or accountability is particularly unjustifiable. I'll just interject here and say, whenever a big propaganda pushes on to get you to join something, for instance, when they first brought out Facebook, things like that, and all the chat rooms as well, and really pushed them, and, oh, it's so great, everybody's doing it, to get you into it. That's to find out who is thinking. That's to find out who amongst you all is thinking a bit clearer and deeper and maybe higher than all the rest. The ones who could possibly be a problem down the road if they understand what they're talking about and have a good way of conveying it to other people. And now for a little change of topic. Remember, this is overall thing. Look at the whole big picture. It's control of everyone through every possible means possible, including what you're thinking and talking about and so on. Uh, control of all the things you need to survive and live. Food, water, energy, everything. Bringing you into austerity, collectivist society worldwide. 
run by the new feudal system, as Carl Quigley said, who was an insider to the big organization that helps bring it all about, and even drafts up the amalgamation uh, of the, the continents into conglomerates, basically, like the EU and the, the Union of the Americas, and, and the same th- things to happen in the Pacific Rim region as well. So they draft it up. Their uh, private clubs draft everything up. Cabals, you see. And it's really it's one big mafia agency, and it's not run by Italians. But here's an article here that ties in with that, that aspect of it. See, total control means exactly that, total control. Total control. It's hard for most folk to get their heads around that term. What do you think total means? It means that to have total power and control over everyone, you, you must ha- have ownership of everything the people as individuals need and collectively need to survive. And you profit off it being a superior people altogether, and you decided that a long time ago, long before the Nazis came along. And you find it better, and Russell said it too, the ruling elite will become a separate species, basically. Because they'll be in reality while you're in the fake one they give you, of confusion and worry. So here's an article here to push the agenda to their, their long-planned uh, goal. How to end boom and bust, it says. Make cash illegal. And this is from The Telegraph, uh, May the 13th, 2015. It says, the story is part of the Money Lab series in which respected figures, right off, off the bat, see, hey, remember how he, he, ideas and, and impressions are crossed to you. Respected figures from the world of finance. Do you think there's any respected people in the world? Who, who respects them except their own gang members, right? The big club. So respected leaders from, uh, figures from the world of finance put forward controversial ideas for improving our personal finances or the economy. Our, our personal, we're taxed to death and it's to get a lot worse. We'll publish this story in print in your money this weekend along with the best comments from readers. So have your say below, it says. A proposed new law in Denmark could be the first step towards an economic revolution that sees physical currencies and nominal bank accounts abolished and gives governments futuristic new tools to fight the cycle of boom and bust. God help anybody if governments were real and tried to really fight anything with any kind of efficiency. The Danish proposal sounds innocuous enough on the surface. It would simply allow shops to refuse payments in cash and insist that customers use contactless debit cards or some other means of electronic payment. Well, most folk are trained into that already. You understand, articles like this don't just come out of the blue uh, when they're, they're pushing something ahead. They, train, they always train the people in advance before they, they, they bring the thing out and really push it as law. They train you first by giving you your debit cards and your preferential customer's card and all this nonsense. They call them mousetraps, you know. Or you get a little discount on all the things that you buy, Maybe. In other words, you get the, the proper price where folk who don't get the card are persecuted by getting really ripped off. That's what it is. Officially, the aim is to ease administrative and financial burdens, such as the cost of hiring a security service to send cash to the bank, and as part of a program of reforms aimed at boosting growth. There's evidence that high cash usage in the economy acts as a drag. Oh, in other words, so everything else, don't your cars are made of plastic, 
Everything's meant to last a short amount of time before you buy new parts for it all or buy a new vehicle. Uh, They penny pinch at any possible corner to get the highest profit possible for the lowest cost outlay in making the product. Uh, This is the efficiency boom that started way, way long ago uh, and got into all aspects of running uh, economies and countries and, and workplaces and all the rest of it too to get massive profit for the boys at the top. If they can get away with eventually making plastic nuts and bolts in your car, they'll do it. And they'll pass a law to say it's not their fault if they just bust off and you die in a crash. It says, but the move could be a key moment in the advent of cashless societies. And once all money exists only in bank accounts, monitored or even directly controlled by the government, the authorities will be able to encourage us to spend more when the economy slows or spend less when it's overheating. In other words, they're going to tax you if you put money in the bank. You get taxed on it to, to, to force you into spending it, basically, right? So you can buy their crummy products that are not meant to last very long. And it says here, this may all sound far-fetched, but the idea has been developed in some detail by a Norwegian academic called Trond Andersen. It says, in this futuristic world, all payments are made by contactless card, mobile phone apps, or other electronic means. And, and you've all been conditioned to all these methods already, you see. Uh, it says, while notes and coins are abolished, your current account will no longer be held with a bank, but with a government. Or the central bank. You feel better now. This plan is well over 100 years old. It's, it's all working perfectly well. I've mentioned it many times from Russell's own writings. We helped set up this whole system step by step and how to condition the people to accept and accept and accept each stage of it. Mentioned that eventually you'll get credits given to you by a central power at the beginning of the week, uh, starting at the same amount every week. And if you haven't spent it all by the end of the week, it disappears when the new money comes in. It's all credits. I mean, it's a token. Money is a token. Banks still exist and still lend money, but they get their funds from the central bank, not from depositors. Having everyone's account at a single central institution allows authorities to either encourage or discourage people to spend. To boost spending, the bank imposes a negative interest rate on the money in everyone's accounts, in effect a tax on saving. Faced with seeing their money slowly confiscate, people are more likely to spend it on goods and services. When this change in behavior takes place across the country, the economy gets a significant fillip, this says here. The recipient of cash responds in the same way and also spends. Money circulates more quickly, or as economists say, the velocity of money increases. Remember, money's an idea, an abstract idea. This is what about the opposite situation when the economy is overheating? The central bank or government will certainly drop any negative interest on credit balances, but it could go further and impose a tax on transactions. These are all been discussed over the years, and I've read them over there too. Tax on transactions, you see. So whenever you use the money in your account to buy something, you pay a small penalty. Well, you know, they always start small and your income ties and everything else. That makes people less inclined to spend and more inclined to save, so reducing economic activity. Such an approach would be a far more effective way to dampen an overheated economy than today's blunt tool of a rise in the central bank's official interest rates. If this sounds rather fanciful, negative interest rates already exist in Denmark, 
where the central bank charges depositors 0.75 PC a year, and in Switzerland, it says. At the moment, it's easy for individuals to avoid seeing their money eroded this way. They can simply hold banknotes stored either in a safe or under the proverbial mattress. But if notes and coins were abolished and the only way to hold money was through a government-controlled bank, there would be no escape. Doesn't that sound great? There would be no escape. This is a pro-cashless society uh, propaganda message here. Apart from the control over the economy, there would be many other advantages of a cashless society. Such a system is much cheaper to run than one based on banknotes and coins. Forgery is impossible as are robberies. What a crock that is. I mean, you're putting all the power of your future into the hands of the crooks to start with, because they've plundered you at least twice a century, often more. It says, electronic money is an inclusive and convenient system, giving poor and rural sectors of an economy where cash machines and bank branches that may be few and far between, and not all people have accounts, a tool for easy participation in the economy is to help people who are poor. Finally, the the black economy will be hugely diminished and tax evasion will be all but impossible, except for the sods that run out all, because they never pay taxes. What a joke, eh? What a joke. Uh, How how can the the, the Telegraph even put... Doesn't it tell you all you need to know about these newspapers? They put this in, it's been a a written piece for it, just shove in there by the PR companies, etc. And they go ahead and do it with no comment on it at all. Isn't that something? But a lot of folk, again, who are already using cashless systems, they'll go, oh, well, yeah, it's so convenient, you know. Blah, 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 blah. They're already happy slaves, you know. All the different uh, bills that they have get taken directly out of their bank account. Everybody's got their bank account numbers and everything else. And they think it's all perfectly safe. People forget that the oldest form of... Slavery was really, in the most efficient form of slavery, was brought in with money. Even when money was measured out and weighed before they made coinage, about 800 BC, they already had this idea. If you look at the Bible, but slavery and to do with uh, debt, debt slaves, you see. It's the easiest way to get folk into slavery. Get them to acquiesce. Make this deal with me, and if you can't do this, it will take your life for so many years. And that's so you acquiesce to go into it if you fail to make your payments. That's slavery. And you got folk going into it, giving all that they have and their whole future into unknown people's hands, nothing to show for it in a tangible form. They can be taken from them at any time at all. And they think this is normal. They're goners, those folk. They're just goners. In, in every aspect, they're, they're goners. And just to show you how all these articles tie in, when they're all put out at the same time from different, at two different sources, that you're going to get them, you're going to hear them on probably little bits and bytes from your news, and that will sink in little bits and bytes. You'll understand really nothing, but it's kind of familiar in a vague sort of way. And again, you acquiesce to it thinking it's sort of normal since it's, you think it's always been there. You don't consciously think through things when you just get bits and bytes of information. It's like a technique in itself. But this article here goes on to say, it's from, uh, it says, uh, the federal government's Australia is planning a tax on bank deposits at the May budget in a move 
that will raise about $500 million a year, but which bankers warn could be passed on to customers. Well, naturally, everything's passed on to the customers. Sources have told AFR Weekend that the government is set to proceed with the bank's deposit insurance levy, first proposed by the former Labour government, to shore up revenue and to act as an alternative to forcing banks to hold extra capital as insurance against collapse. So in other words, the banks can carry on as usual, overextending themselves by giving out fake loans of money they don't have, just write out checks and that's it and put in your account. And that's okay, you see. So the same crooks get off with it again. But you're going to get penalised, you see, and they're going to start to tax your bank deposit. Exactly as the guy said in the last article, that the idea is to tax you on your savings to make you spend it in the economy. And when people are spending too much in the economy, then they stop it from heating up, as they say, by taxing your transactions. It's no coincidence all these articles come out at the same time from apparently are different sources. It's all... It's an offensive, you know, when, when the military strategy says we're having an offensive and you have this part over there going here and this part over there going there, this is what is an offensive on you. So it says Tony Abbott has ruled out going after households in the May 12th budget following the negative reaction to the measure in the 2014 budget. So the bank tax is proposed by Labour head of the 2013 election where a lost government would be 0.05% levy on every deposit of up to. So everything below is going to get taxed $250,000. It was scheduled to start on January the 1st, 2016, and budgeted to raise $733 million in its first 18 months of operation. The federal government is planning a tax on bank deposits in the May budget in a move that will raise all this and it says here, the money would be put in a financial stability fund. <laughs> Have you heard that before? And they used to protect depositors against the highly unlikely event, the highly unlikely event, <laughs> it's happened all the time, eh? of a bank collapse. But it's protecting the crooks. Yeah? In the meantime, the fund would also be used to offset gross debt. If the coalition adopts the same model as Labour and if banks pass the levy on to customers, it would mean a term deposit currently paying 2.6% would pay 2.55%. The then coalition opposition originally criticised the idea, but then adopted it as an election promise, setting the budget emergency. <laughs> it's amazing how every emergency gets passed on to you, eh? Upon winning government, the coalition referred the proposal to David Murray's financial system inquiry, which recommended against the idea and suggested a different model. It says, uh, as revealed by the Australian Financial Review on Friday, the banks are gearing up to fight the move. ANZ uh, Chief Executive Mike Smith told AFR Weekend that with deposit rates where they are at the moment, why do you want to hit depositors again? Why do you think? What do you think austerity means? You're driving austerity, folks, while you get plundered again. It says, um, why impose another tax on the savings of the elderly and retired? I don't understand this. It's not well thought out. Oh, believe me, it is well thought out. Everything is strategy. Asked about where this would drive savers into riskier assets, Mr. Ms. Smith said, I think it would further encourage inappropriate behaviour. And tactics similar to those used by the Minerals Council of Australia when it fought the mining tax, 
The Australian Bankers Association released a report on Friday claiming a sector was already heavily taxed. It said that for reporting year 2014, taxes paid to all tiers of government by banks total of $13.7 billion, up from $11.9 billion a year before. Taxes include corporate tax, new unrecoverable GST, uh, payroll tax, policyholder tax, fringe benefit tax, land taxes and council rates and stamp duties. These are all taxes, never mind all the fees as well, which are also taxes. They claim Australian banks already paid a higher effective tax rate than many of their OECD counterparts. And it says, and paid more tax in Australia out of the top 25 ASX200 industries. Shadow Treasurer Chris Bowen, who announced the proposal when he was Treasurer, said the government had been hypocritical. They attacked this Labour measure, which was recommended by the Council of Financial Regulators, as a tax grab on individual bank accounts, he said. They then took it as a policy, but then in government couldn't make a decision on it. Referred to Murray, who recommended against it, but have now decided to keep it. There's no difference for folks and parties. They all get given the same mandate by their bosses, and it's not the public. It says this botch process to get back to where Labour was in August 2013 shows how Treasurer Hockey had no idea where it comes to the economy and business certainty or leadership. That was put in the, 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 the nonsense, absolute nonsense for public consumption of party bickering. Yeah. Anyway, um, Australian Bankers Association Chief Stephen Muchenberg said on Thursday that the bank bailout tax is likely to be passed through substantially or fully to depositors. So, nothing changes except the agenda goes ahead. Everywhere you look at the agenda goes ahead. So many facets to it, you see. But all work together. And now another coincidence. This time in Britain. And it says here, Tory MPs demand end to banker bashing. I wonder what, I mean, why are folk bashing the bankers? Bank levy, uh, which is a tax debate, hots up after historic Conservative election victory, 11th May 2015. And it says, uh, Conservative MPs and senior city figures, the city figures, of course, are the, the city of London, the, the ones where the banks are, that's the inner city, want the new government to rein back punitive taxes aimed at banks and avoid weakening one of the UK's most competitive industries. Competitive with whom? It's a massive monopoly. Shares in banks jumped on last week's unexpected election result. Defeated Labour leader Ed Miliband had threatened major hikes to the bank levy, more bonus taxes, and even the possible breakup of banks such as the RBS and Lloyds. The RBS, by the way, is the Royal Bank of Scotland. And it's such a misnomer because we don't have royalty in Scotland. Uh, it's chartered by the, uh, the British monarchy. And... Um, and it's over 80% owned by the, the London government. But to bail it out. So RBS and Lloyds, it says, Chancellor George Osborne has not been a friend to bank in recent years. He introduced the bank levy and subsequently increased it nine times. So this is what happens when they put a levy in the, on, your, on your, the, the banks, you see. So he introduced the bank levy and subsequently increased it nine times. As soon as you put something in the books, you see, oh, it's, only so, it's only a tiny part of 1%. 
then it goes up nine times before the year's up, including a shock rise to 0.21% of their balance sheets not in the last budget. But lenders and some MPs now hope the worst is over. <laughs> Bank bashing is something we've got to move on from. Again, the whole world plundered, you know. It's, it's just, get over it. Yeah. And getting stuck in the bank's levy every so often to demonstrate that our bank bashing is as good as their bank bashing is not the way forward, said Mark Garnier, who's expected to rejoin the Treasury Select Committee. I think we've done enough. We need to give the city, you know, the city of London, the bank boys, the space to implement changes we made over the last five years. City MP Mark Field echoed the sentiment, because they're all in the same club, Part of the skill of any chancellor is to set tax at a level where there may be grumbling from the people it affects. Now listen to this. <laughs> this is the chancellor. It's set to set tax at a level where there may be grumbling from the people it affects, but they won't do any more than grumble. That's all you folk. That's all you do. They've done all the studies on you. That's all you do. Is, okay. In fact, you know, grumbling isn't even as, as often frequent as it used to be. People, oh, well, you know, oh, well, what can you do? With the bank levy, we have just about reached the tipping point. I would very much hope that insofar as we have future levies, more taxes, we aren't looking to squeeze a little bit too much out of the bank. So they want to pass it on, just like Australia and everybody else, on to the people. The HSBC is contemplating moving its headquarters from the UK to a more welcoming home, and Standard Chartered could do the same. Leading European and American investment bankers have told City AM they have no choice but to keep some business and staff out of the UK, where it's cheaper and more straightforward to operate abroad, maybe India or somewhere. Surrey MP uh, Quasi uh, Quarting added, I don't think we're going to get, go past the tipping point of taxes pushing banks away. This was a crunch election. We eject, rejected Holland-style socialism. What a joke, eh? Lately rejected it. And the city doesn't have anything to fear. The banks run it. We should be critical of the city and we'll keep asking questions, but we have to understand that wealth creation really is at the centre of our culture. Well, wealth plunder is at the centre of your culture, folks. It says there was a huge sigh of relief from the city that Miliband didn't get in. Or oh, it's not going to happen because he's not in. They're all hand-picked folks in all the parties for their bosses. And as I say, the bosses are not you. At the end of last week, ICAP boss Michael Spencer, a Tory supporter, hit out the bank levy. You can't expect them to lend more when you're taxing their balance sheets, he told the Financial Times. London MEPs, Member of European Parliament, Syed Kamal, added yesterday, any policy towards banks should not be about punishment for the last crisis. It should be making sure taxpayers aren't called upon to bail banks out in the future. What a liar, because they knew damn well that all the countries, including Britain, have already signed the bank bail-in when they confiscate your savings and when they fail the next time. Gah. And Chris Cummings of the this, this City UK said the Tories must look again at the levy, and so on and so on. You understand they can't give you a straight truth on anything, folks. And all, especially the politicians that pretend to oppose this or oppose that. They're born liars, that's why they're picked. They'll do what their bosses tell them. That They're more psychopaths in politics and in certain other professions than anywhere else. 
and they, they love the power and the status and, the, and nothing is immoral to them if it's for self-gain. They take their payoffs pretty well. That's reality. But what it shows you that every single part of the agenda goes steamrolls ahead regardless. And it's across the board, across the world, all at the same time. Has been for your whole life, actually. They often have different names for the same laws that get passed across the world at the same time, so that you don't catch on to them. I caught on to that many, many, many moons ago. As I say, all resources are, are gone after big time, so the big masters of the world control everything, your bank accounts, you name it, your governments, uh, everything you need to survive and live from day to day. And eventually down the roads to where you'll even get born if they need you. If they don't need you, you won't get born, folks. Simple as that. I'm not kidding about that. It's not been written about years ago. By folk in the know who, who actually were members of the big world organizations who were planning all this and brought in the planning. This article here to do with water and energy and so on. All the things which are going to be awfully important to you. You hear more and more of it because energy is tacked on everything now. Energy. Departments of energy Because everything that, that takes energy to create And you have to purchase You're going to pay all the taxes on it It's all taxes for energy itself In fact if they can get down to how much energy you use On a daily basis by Testing your CO2 output or something They'll tax you in that too And I'm not kidding you As the last article said that The politician says well they might grumble a bit or The public might grumble a bit But they won't do anything past that no, they know you all too well now. They've dumbed you all down. And anyway, this article here says, Washington, D.C., May 4, 2015. Congressman Kevin Kramer released the following statement after the U.S. House of Representatives passed the Energy and Water Appropriations Bill, H.R. 2028, the fiscal year 2016 Energy and Water Appropriations Bill, which provides a total of $35.4 billion in discretionary funding for nuclear weapons activities. The Army Corps of Engineers, the Department of Energy, and related agencies, related agencies is awfully important here, folks. A lot of related agencies are brand new ones you've never heard of yet, and they won't publish them yet to the public. It says the, um, the legislation includes $786,000 in Army Corps investigations feasibility money to study Red River Basin wide flood protection solutions and $16.684 million for Army Corps operation and maintenance funding for facilities in North Dakota, including Garrison Dam and Bald Hill Dam. Also includes $25 million for ND Bureau of Reclamation facilities, including Garrison Diversion Heart Butt Dam. The bill includes language to prevent the Army Corps of Engineers from spending any funds to implement what's called the Waters of the United States. I mentioned that years ago. Waters, W-O-T-U-S, rule. It would have drastically expanded the Environmental Protection Agency's and Army Corps of Engineers' authority over bodies of water, including small ponds, creeks, ditches, and other occasionally wet areas, including those found on private property. It also was going to tax you on your runoff from your roof and everything else, folks. Now here's what the, the U.S. is awfully good at this technique too. 
they're, not, they're not as far gone as British folk are, if you can find any British folk anymore. <laughs> but the, it says here that uh, he's, a, he's, he's a rebuttal to it, the extent, the, the good guy here. That was give you a good guy. While this provision only prevents implementing the WOTUS rule for the next fiscal year, I'm working with either members on a long-term solution to provide landowners and producers certainty the federal government will not have this expanded authority to control their private property. So there's the good guy, you see. He says, then he says I expect to see this long-term solution on the House floor for a vote very soon. This administration's goal is to have jurisdiction over every puddle or could be puddle on every farm in every state. This is a gross violation of private property rights. It's a breach of states' rights, and the American people will not tolerate it. I encourage my colleagues listened to the overwhelming number of their constituents who complained about waters, and my hope is that Senate will pass this legislation and President Obama will sign it into law, said Kramer. You're fine. You understand, they know when you put something through. And when you get used to the idea of using a trial balloon and, and then scour the internet for your grumblings to see how best to implement it, and the journey implement it full strength during some other diversion and crisis. Anyway, says Congressman Kramer has consistently opposed the words of the state's rule, has been called the administration the EPA to change course on numerous occasions, uh, citing its devastating economic impact, substantial regulatory costs, bureaucratic barriers to economic growth, and severe negative impacts on farm, small business, commercial development, road construction, and energy production, as well as the fact that waters are to be governed by states and not the federal government. And believe you me, by saying the states, folks, they've already got all these interstate organizations, private organizations, passing their own little rules by their little clubs when they can't get through federally too. And they don't have to even do it in the States, solely in the States. They can also have U.S. states combined with Canadian provinces. It's the same thing, a state is a province, and vice versa. And they've already made deals over this too. So they, they, they always get what they want at the top, always. I have never seen anything where they haven't got what they wanted. As says, in 2014, Kramer released a highly detailed map of North Dakota developed in secret. <laughs> this is your open society again, developed in secret by the Environmental Protection Agency, likely for the purpose of expanding its regulation of water features. Investigations by the House Committee on Science, Space and Technology, of which Kramer was a member in 2014, revealed the EPA has assembled detailed maps of all waters and wetlands in every state with no intention of releasing them to the public. It always amazes me how Americans keep saying that they're free, because the propaganda keeps telling them they're free. But all the evidence is to the contrary when you look at everything that's been happening over a long period of time. And this article goes on to, to give you other parts of the legislation and so on. The usual kind of stuff. You understand you have no real... Free, you see, we're, we're just going along a, a pre-planned agenda. A script, I always say. We're living a script. Everything is scripted, and this year this is going to get implemented, and that's going to get implemented, and the following year this is going to get implemented. You're living a big business plan, a script. You know, the only reason I read news at all is to look after the, look for, I should say, I, I look for the relevant parts of the main agenda. That's all you have to know, and don't lose track of them. All the other stuff is kind of backscatter and so on. Don't look, lose track of them. Because that's where everything happens and happens through one big world organization, 
that set up the, the Bank for International Settlements, it set up the, the GATT Treaty, the World Trade Organization, all these things. Uh, and all your, they run all your environmental groups and all the rest of it too at the top for all your protocols that they set and pass in your law to save the planet, etc., which always passes uh, power into big, big international corporations' hands. So, and, and again, monopolies, 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 until there's one massive world monopoly. Uh, technically, you already have that. If you found the same shareholders run the, ma- the majority of shares in all the top corporations of the planet. It's one big club. We're almost along for the ride, in a sense, but we are the only source of wealth that's through labor itself, of all kinds. And remember, the United Nations itself, another front organization to bring in the structure, uh, to help bring it all together. The United Nations said a good world citizen is a good producer and consumer. That's how they define you. You're not as a, a person, that's what you are. So we're really going to stay along for the right to an extent. And news is just a, a method of confusing you, acclimating you to certain terms. So that it seems like it's always been there and it must be normal by bits and bytes of the info that, that sinks into your head along the way. Remember, too, for those newcomers, you can get the books and discs I have at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. And the order forms and so on are in there, too, how to get them. And uh, I'm presently working uh, through a lot of different hassles, but I'm trying to really get all these books done. It's not just one book, and, and get them released, too. So look into the website, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com as often as you can, and make good use of all the archives that are there that goes back years and years. Lots of information outlining the old agenda and going through it every, every day sometimes, and then year by year, of what's happening to show you that what you think of as freedom or democracy doesn't exist, and how your reality is completely managed from birth to death, by thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of experts, as they call it, of therapists, psychotherapists, psychologists, behaviorists, all the different, the, the neurologists, all the, all the all the scientists are in there managing you. They're on board with the public relations firms. Everything comes through public relations firms to you. All the handouts that go out to the newspapers to get put into newspapers go through, through psychology departments and so on, that work for governments and work for the big private foundations that basically own your governments and have done for a long time through the private clubs such as the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute for International Affairs, and their specialised branch that they have, because those two are the same group, actually. But the specialised branch is the Trilateral Commission that, that drafts up all the trade agreements for international trade, the amalgamation of countries into big conglomerations, and so on. Private. Everything's private. And you can't get membership. You have to be asked in, invited in. And if they ask you in, they've already sussed you out and watched you for years to make sure you're a team player and you don't mind personal profit at others' expense. 
So from Hamish, myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods, go with you.